I want to talk about what's known as spiritual bypass. Anybody familiar with that term or that phrase? Yeah. Um, Quickly, what it means, it means like kind of um, utilizing your spiritual practice to avoid feeling. It's um, it's uh, it's kind of not what the intention of spiritual practice is, but it's a very common way people move into spiritual practice and not um, actually do what the your uh, the suggestions are. A um, couple of things brought this up for me this week. I was uh, I was at a friend's a friend of mine did this one person show last night. She did it years ago and then she did it last night and it's called 100% happy 88% of the time. And she said she grew up in a family where you weren't allowed to not feel good. It was everything was always fine. It was you weren't allowed to say things were not fine. Everything had to be fine. Anybody, anybody else have a family like that? Some, that's, yeah, it's, it's not uncommon. And she said they would say, fine, and then you could tell if things weren't going well by, by how um, the octave just got higher. Fine, 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 fine. And then she said at the end when things were really bad, only dogs could hear, and it was fine. So uh, that, and then she said, um, when she, was, she had a little chart and, you know, it's 100% happy 88% of the time, meaning that you can be happy 88% of the time and unhappy or things not going well 12% of the time but still be okay with it. And she had those two right next to each other and then fine was like really far away. So fine is like that spiritual bypass. Happy and unhappy are two sides of the same coin. It's like unpleasant and pleasant. It's like it doesn't matter whether things are pleasant or unpleasant. That's how they are, and it's your relationship to them that's really important. You don't have to sugarcoat everything to be fine. And then I, yesterday I was talking to a friend of mine up in Seattle, and she said she'd been listening to some Dharma talks by this man named um, Edward S.B. Brown. And he's been a Zen practitioner forever. He was uh, ordained as a Zen priest back in 1971 by Shinru Suzuki. And uh, he wrote, he's written a lot of cookbooks, the Tassahara Bread Book. And Tassahara is um, the San Francisco Zen Center's um, retreat center. And so this guy's been around for a really long time. And she's telling me one of his Dharma talks, he was talking about he was he was practicing for 20 years and then about the 20th year is when it got real and it got serious so he was kind of like almost doing a spiritual bypass all these years and it's i like to i've heard the term and i believe it you get to that point where you either grow or you go you either, the shit hits the fan and you either choose to do the practice um, the way it's intended or you kind of drift off somewhere else. Oftentimes when people come to um, Dharma talks or centers like this, they come for a while and then they disappear. And a lot of times, sometimes it's just 
just doesn't appeal to them, but sometimes it's because the work gets too hard. And then they bounce to another practice. They go, you know what, that's nicer over there. Or they bounce somewhere else because really any particular practice, when you begin to dive more deeply in it, when you get past just a surface level, it asks you to do the work. It asks you to really step up and face what is um, uh, what the struggle is. But what happens in spiritual bypass, people utilize the tools to um, continue a defense mechanism, only now it's got different trappings. It, it, the spiritual bypass is a defense mechanism and it shields us from the truth. I, in fact, I saw this article in Psychology Today talking about it. This bypass helps to disconnect us from our feelings and helps us to avoid the big picture. It's, you know, when you think about the Buddhist teachings, the teachings of Buddhism, it's, um, it's a, the core teaching of impermanence. A lot of people, I've met a lot of people who say, you know, something tragic happens or something, you know, a job, they lose a job or a relationship ends or something happens and they'll just say, impermanence. And you get this feeling that they're just using that word as a shield against the feeling of separation and feeling of loss. But as somebody, somebody said, um, they use it to bypass the human condition. Because they're, they're coming, oh, you know, oh well, everything passes, therefore I don't need to feel it. I used to think, I used to think that if I understood something, then I wouldn't be impacted by it. Now, oh, I see how this works. I can intellectualize and this and this and this. Therefore, I will not feel it. It took me a while to realize that wasn't true. I could understand it and it could still impact me. That was my way to try and think my way out of stuff. So that's what spiritual bypass is. It's, um, it's this focused on the outcome. The other, th the other thing I have is when I have people who call me or a, one, one particular friend of mine who, when I talk to her and stuff's going on, she constantly ends every sentence with, it's all good. And it's like, it, it might be all good, but back up from that, you know, because she's focused on the outcome. It's all good. It's like, yeah, it's okay. And how are you feeling? Well, this is really bad, but it's all good. It's like I'm discounting the actual experience that I'm having. I'm discounting it because I have to get to the place of being good. Because that means I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. That means I understand these teachings. That means I that means whatever it is we think it means. It's all good, it's all good. So that's part of this. Um, and it's and it's um, it's it's because we've come to this place where we think that um, anger or uh, shame or anxiety or fear or any of these things that we feel, self-loathing, any of those, those core wounds that we have are not good. And that because we have dipped our toe into practice, it's not okay to feel them. Anger is bad. You shouldn't be feeling that. Don't let anybody know you're feeling angry. 
So what the, what we have to do instead is reframe them and say, this stuff isn't bad. It just is. You can't help it if jealousy shows up. It's some old conditioning and old responses. It's your relationship to those experiences now that are important. <laughs> I, I'm a baseball fan. And I don't know, some, I think this might have gotten out of baseball land. There was a, there was a baseball fight the other day. Um, Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates were playing, and they've had some, some bad blood over the course of this season. And the pitcher was, the Cincinnati Reds pitcher was on the mound, and I guess they were yelling at him from the dugout, and he just went charging into the, dug, the dugout of the other team. And I was like, we've never seen anything. It's like one guy against 25, and then just the brawl just started. And it's like, so he can say an alternative response would have been, oh, there's a lot of anger arising right now. I can, A, go charging into the dugout and ended up with an eight-game suspension, or I can go, wow, this is, this is like, there's a lot of anger here. There's a lot of provocation. There's some nasty stuff that's going on. But this actual spiritual practice is to respond to it differently. Whereas the spiritual bypass is like, well, he's got that anger. Obviously, he's not doing what he's supposed to do. Do you ever, have, do you ever judge yourself for feeling emotions? Yeah, there's some little head shaking going on in here. There's, there's no reason to judge. It's just an automatic response. You can't help the way you feel. It's what you do with that that makes the difference, that, that is a, uh, an emblem of how integrated, of how these teachings are integrated in, into you, how they've become a part of how you move through the world. That's what it's about. They talk about the spiritual bypass as the shadow side of spirituality, this willingness to just bypass the human condition, which I love. Um, and then I saw this other piece that talked about um, spiritual bypass is avoidance in holy drag. Avoidance in holy drag, dressed up. It's avoidance dressed up in, you know, robes dressed up in, in symbols of spirituality, symbols of wisdom, symbols of enlightenment. And it talks about, it shows up, um, it shows up by, uh, see if any of these land for you, exaggerated detachment, that just like that, I was giving the example of the person who's like, oh, it's, it, everything's impermanent. You know, or dukkha. They're suffering. I understand they're suffering, therefore it will not affect me. That's what I was talking about, how I used to roam through the world. It's an avoidance technique. It's not allowing ourselves to feel what's actually there. Um, emotional numbing and repression. Repression. That's stuffing down of what's happening. The overemphasis on the positive. It's all good. It's all good. Fine. Yeah, go ahead. Linda. Andy. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Where does letting go fit in with this, this piece? So what you're letting go of when you have anger or um, some kind of emotion that's arising, jealousy, self-doubt, when that arises, you say, okay, this is what's present. But what you let go of is the story around it. Let's say that self-doubt, oh, self-doubt, I'm not going to be able to do this. I've never been able to do this. I'm never going to learn this. I'm a loser. Nobody liked me. So you're no longer in the present moment. You're, you're somewhere else. And if you respond, if you react from that emotion, then you're, you haven't let it go either. So like I, I talked about a couple of years ago when jealousy came up, I was jealous of a friend of mine over something I was not interested in doing. She was doing something I didn't care about, and I'm like, why am I jealous? And I went into the spiritual bypass. I went into the berating myself, going, you shouldn't be feeling this. You've been practicing a long time. Why are you feeling jealous? You don't even want to do that. Blah, 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 blah. I was lost in the story. And then I was aware, it came to me, oh, I can't help it that jealousy arose. I didn't choose this emotion. It just showed up. Those seeds of consciousness, as Thich Nhat Hanh calls them, were planted a long time ago. And the, 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 uh, the atmosphere was ripe for them to bloom. And it bloomed. The jealousy showed up. And it's like, oh, so I can see it clearly and feel it, but not react from it. Not call her a, a not tell her. I would probably be really sarcastic and, and just throw some shade on her and go, I hope you're able to do that. You know, it's going to be tough. I'm sure that's kind of how I watched the bit of my cousin Vinny yesterday. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, I, I don't know if I was quite that bad, but I was like in that realm of sarcasm, really heavy. And um, I would have, I would have reacted that way instead of the awareness, the spiritual bypass would have been, no, 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 no. Instead, it's like, oh, yeah, it's here, and let go of the story around it, like you shouldn't feel this, or whatever, where, wherever we go. So you see there's a difference there? Yeah, thank you. Um, so then there's uh, the overemphasis on the positive, anger, phobia. I talked about that. Not allowed to be angry. You're above anger. If you're feeling angry, you're obviously not spiritual enough. Um, blindly or overly tolerant compassion. Or as Pema Chodron calls it, idiot compassion. The compassion that is, is just blindly accepting of what people do. I mean, you can have compassion for someone. You don't want to wish anyone ill will, but you, you lose all perspective and you have no boundaries and you start rolling into codependence, you know, and people pleasing because you're, you think you have to be compassionate. And it's like, yeah, you are compassionate. You have that in your heart, but you also hold people accountable for their actions, which is sometimes harder than just appeasing. It can be really a part of it, appeasing. And um, yeah, and it talks about weak or too porous boundaries. They all go together. It's that, that um, like I said, not being able to uh, 
take care of yourself in the moment. There's a lot, there's that people pleasing, that, that, that codependency going on. Um, and then in, there's uh, delusions of enlightenment. I hear that from people's minds or from people's mouths. I hear their minds because I hear from their people talking about that, like I was talking about impermanence, where people are struggling. They're, they're struggling because they, let's say, a relationship ended and they're having a really difficult time with it. And other people were like, well, don't they see that everything's impermanent? So they come from this place of judging. And in Buddhism, in Buddhist teachings, there's the idea of the relative and there's the idea of the absolute. And the relative, the absolute is really um, this place of, yeah, things are, there is impermanence. There is dukkha. There's this a big awareness that, yeah, things arise and pass. But then there's the relative reality of our experience of our being, of our human condition, of our, of our, um, of our wounding, of our, of our experience and how it has impacted us and how we have to move through the world. That judging everything from that place of absolute is like, well, that's, that's the spiritual bypass. Does that make sense what I'm saying? There's the relative, I have my experience and I have to deal with my history Everyone in this room has to deal with their history, both personal history and, you know, the history, the, the conditioning that we have of being human beings walking around in, in Los Angeles and California and the U.S. and all these things. Um, and what it takes to heal a lot of times from our experience. Whereas the absolute sets up this, well, you've been practicing now for five minutes, so you sh this stuff shouldn't impact you. This stuff... Like the, the, the idea that there is this interconnectedness. And it's like, yeah, there's interconnectedness, but if you have been harmed by others, it's going to take a long time for you to trust and get to that place of we are all one. That might be where you want to go and that might be an idea, but you have to take care of yourself. And these, these spiritual practices have to work with the psychological um, wounding that we all have experienced so to a greater or a lesser extent. It's incredibly important because when we don't, we fragment ourselves. We deny part of our own reality. I grew up with a schizophrenic mother, just me and her, and she was undiagnosed and it was pretty awful. Although through much of my adult life, I went, eh, no big deal. That's how I dealt with it. No big deal. I didn't realize the impact it had had on me. It had a tremendous impact on me. And it wasn't until maybe 20 years ago that it finally, I, I, you know, that grow or go, I hit that wall and it's like, I either need to turn towards this or I have, it's good, just going to, my insides are just going to continue to deteriorate. The, in, the insides, my insides were in agony, were in pain, but my outside was little Mary Sunshine. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I kept running, 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 and finally I hit this, this, this practice, and sitting down quietly with my eyes closed was what I needed to push me over the edge, thankfully. 
and I and I was able to, for the first time to turn towards that experience to acknowledge it I didn't have to run from it because we run so often because we're afraid of feeling what we felt before whereas that experience is long gone you're not there anymore but you need to you need to tend to the residual pain that's absolutely an imperative in spiritual practice but bypassing that is ignoring that because you're coming from this other place of, of judging and thinking it's supposed to look a certain way. One more time, getting into that fixed idea. You know, and, and the spiritual bypass can get, get solidified into fundamentalism. It's rigid. It's like, this is the way it's supposed to be. If you don't feel this way, you're doing it wrong. That's why it's important to say you can't do this wrong. You have to be willing to sit with your absolute experience. Um, I'm looking at all these other notes about what spiritual bypassing is, and spiritual bypassing is um, um, Confusing our emotions with something else, like confusing anger with aver uh, aggression and ill will. And it's not. It's just anger. It's just anger. It's not aversion. If you go running into a dugout with a baseball bat in your hand, maybe that's aggression. But if you're just feeling it, it's not necessarily it. <laughs> Spiritual life has over, overdone niceness. And... Buddhist communities get a rap for that. At least American Buddhist communities get a rap, a, a bad rap for nobody can say anything real to each other because they think, oh, wise speech. Wise speech means I can't, you know, tell you you're not doing what you're supposed to do, that you're doing it wrong, that you need to shape up. That's not what it's about. Wise speech is also saying what needs to be said. It's telling someone when they're when they're overstepping, you know, their bounds. It's telling someone when they're not appropriate. It's really important to understand the difference of that. This overdone niceness is 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 um, can be deadly. Can absolutely be deadly. So to investigate that, you know, um, it's I think it's also called enabling. You know, when you let people to continue, continue their, their, their unwise and unskillful behavior. Because you have to, you know, why speak? It's like, no. Um, you know, we have to see, and again, with spiritual bypass, I've sounded kind of a little judgy in this talk tonight. So people who are caught up in spiritual bypass, we have to recognize that people are caught up in continuing their delusion and so to be compassionate towards them as well not to be you know i'm better than you because i don't practice spiritual bypass and you do so that's like getting caught up in that just like doing the same thing you're you're pointing the finger at them at um you know there's then there's this thing i i saw which i like spiritual gaslighting which is using spiritual concepts to manipulate another into questioning their own sanity, truth, or perception. 
I like that. That's, you know, that's when, that's, that's a very similar kind of a thing, you know? That, what I talked about, what, uh, that, that, that feeling of enlightenment, you know, I actually have met people who have said they are enlightened, and I always take a step back. <laughs> it's always take a step back, and I'm like, okay, I'm glad, um, I'm glad for you. I mean, even the, even the Dalai Lama doesn't say he's enlightened, so, I, you know, perhaps you have some wisdom, so, you know, people get power hungry sometimes if they're if they're put on pedestals and 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 you have to be um, cautious about how things unfold um, and then and then as with any of these emotions that we don't deal with we if if we don't deal with them if we don't turn towards them if we don't address them they start leaking out over here and leaking out over there you know, we show inappropriate behavior, left and right, driven by these things, where this shadow that we're not willing to look at. It's really important. It can cause so much damage. It can cause so much harm. I know a lot of the harm I have caused in my life is because I was, I was in this place of trying to get somewhere, actually trying to avoid there and get there, be safe, be okay, but not knowing how to do it you know, stamping down on anything that I thought might be dangerous and just wreaking a little bit of havoc here and there and causing some harm. Unintentional, it was all self-preservation, but it's because we're not looking at, or because I didn't look at these things that I didn't want to look at for a really long time. So um, what we need to do is to investigate you know, investigate um, your responses to things. Because sometimes when you are, when these teachings are more fully integrated, what used to knock you over doesn't knock you over anymore because you've developed some equanimity. You've developed some balance. You've developed a bigger picture. The teachings have percolated through so that you're like, okay, I see this. I see this separation. I see this loss. I feel this anger. I feel this grief. But I'm not, you know, staying in bed for six weeks anymore. I'm allowing those experiences to be there. And I can still have joy the next moment because my cats are cute. You know, I mean, it's this balance, this absolute moment-to-moment -moment equanimity. Because if you've, if you've really paid attention and if you've been in a place of great sadness and great loss, let's, for example, you can be experiencing that, but then maybe five minutes later, that emotion's not present anymore. And you're experiencing something else, like you're laughing at a joke. It's when you get caught up in the idea of here's grief, here's sadness, I'm supposed to feel a certain way, and you hold on to that. Clinging is suffering. But we have a spaciousness with these teachings, with this practice, that allows whatever is present to show up. We have a spaciousness that allows joy, that allows fear, that allows sadness. 
just to come because we're paying attention to what what's what's happening right now. What is this? What is this? And we let go of the future, we let go of the past, not being aware of thoughts about the future or the past, but living in those places. Living in those places. So um, those are my thoughts around bypassing. I'd love to hear any of how you bypass or what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> Questions? Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think we've mentioned this before. The thin line between bypassing and the last part of what you're saying, like you can save yourself. I think I've reached a point where I can understand that feeling, see it, and move on and do something else, or like you said, maybe laugh. But it's such a thin line to actually know that you're not bypassing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's it's tough to, especially if it goes on. I mean, if you have you know, situations where you're constantly saying, "Okay, I learned about that. Okay, I learned about that. Okay, I understand that. Am I bypassing, or am I really somehow really learning this stuff?" It's tough to know the difference. Yeah, and it is tough to know the difference. Thank you for that. Um, that's why. I talked a few weeks ago about once you let go, then you can rest in being. And when you learn to, when you begin to rest in being, your inner wisdom begins to um, uh, make itself present and known. And so that you have a sense of, oh, you know what? Actually, this is healthy. This is beneficial because you can, you can check in with your actual experience. You, you, you may have a sense of, I think I'm hiding behind something here. You know, and sometimes if you don't know, if it's really unclear, you find some other people on the path to help you, to give you some perspective. So hopefully you find a couple of people, at least one or two, that you can trust to give you some honest feedback and perspective. Saying, you know what, I think... You know, I'm always I'm always ready to be told, oh no, you, you're wrong, or you need to do this. And when people say no, I think you actually are clear on that. I'm always shocked and surprised. Less so, actually, but I used to be really surprised when I had it right. Because when we when we come to practice, we're we're caught up in delusion, because we're not seeing clearly, or we're not seeing clearly in some way. Sometimes we see very clearly. But there's this one blind spot that we have that's really difficult. And if you can identify that area or those areas where you struggle and go, okay, red flag, this is that particular area where I can't see clearly. You know, I have this um, in Buddhist personality types. I'm a greedy personality type, meaning I want I want the experiences. I, I don't, it's not that I necessarily want shiny objects or stuff. I want, I want to have the experience. And unfortunately, there's a shit ton of experiences out there that can be had. Go do this, take this class, study here, do this retreat, that, 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 that. And I, and I you know, get to a point where it's like I'm running 24-7. And my husband's like, hello, do you remember me? <laughs> you remember me over here? <laughs> and it's like, oh, I have to... 
I suck sometimes at, at recognizing when I've gone too far. And I, I still need help with that. And I may always need help with that. But I'm okay knowing that I need to get some help with that perspective around wanting and going and doing. Is this, is this beneficial or is this just greed? You know. So for me, and I think for people, it's like knowing where you maybe struggle and then really trusting where you do have that wisdom arising because you've learned to let go in certain places. And it's not like it is, it's not just all, it's not like um, a boat rising in a, in, a, in, a, in a canal where they lock, they do the lock in the water and it just comes up all at once. It's kind of like a, one step over here, a little over there, because we all, we all have our different experiences. We have our different um, conditioning. So we're gonna all react and respond differently. It's not one size fits all. That's the beauty of this practice. It's not one size fits all. You have to find out for yourself where it makes the most sense. Yeah, re re thank you. Recognize that it's messy. Life is messy. It's the denial of the messiness of life that is a sign of, of, of you know, this bypass of delusion. It's the going, yeah, life is messy. Nobody doesn't have a messy life. I don't know how, care how, how polished you are on the outside. It's, it's pretty messy. You know, whatever, whatever that, um, that mess takes. I thank you. You reminded me that I wanted to um, read a poem that I'm sure you all have heard. It's called The Invitation. You guys know that one by Oriah Mountain Dreamer? It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for. And if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you have been opened by life's betrayals, or have become shriveled and closed from fear and further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own. If you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, to be realistic, to remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you are telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. If you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul. If you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it is not pretty every day. And if you can source your own life from its presence. I want to know if you can, can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand at the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the full moon, yes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. 
I want to know if you can get up after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done to feed the children. It doesn't interest me who you know, how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where or what or with whom you have studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else falls away. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. So that, I think, is to me a real epitome of non-spiritual bypass or spiritual not bypass, but being in it. Can you face the mess can you go down deep are you willing to take that long dark night of the soul I was talking last week about transitions and the journey that we all take and that it's not a journey to accumulate stuff it's an internal journey for awakening and that's what the Buddha offers us this this path to an internal awakening it's not the external it's the internal the freedom that comes from that liberation and we don't get to do it until we turn towards rather than away. Everything out there is impermanent. You know, all we have are our actions, all we have are our internal experiences and learning to be with those, messy or not, you know, that, that, um, that ability to be with our experience without preference. That's, that's what it's about. That's the uh, spiritual uh, uh, awakening rather than spiritual bypassing.